Oh God. I haven't even seen any of the new wave. I don't think like I've oh, never, really? I've only ever seen like clips. Yeah, wow. no. Uh, and I, I haven't, I, I have, I've seen bicycle thieves a bunch of times, but uh, I never have sat down and watched it. Uh, it played at a restaurant that I worked at for a while <laughs> That's cool. and they would project it on the wall with <laughs> subtitles <great>. and sometimes <laughs> a little bit of sound, but I couldn't actually tell you <laughs> the, the minutia of the plot. Um, it's pretty basic. So, it's just someone steals a bicycle and they look for it for the movie. So it's not, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> it's not a very plot-driven movie. Yeah. It's a good movie, though. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I might talk a little bit about Neorealismo today with uh, Italian films, some of my favorite Italian directors. Yeah. I would love to hear some of that. I mean, that's yeah. uh, curious to see kind of what um yeah like overlap we have here and, and kind of what stands out all right so here we go okay i tried to crack my knuckles on mike but it didn't work so Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Doppelgangers on Film, a film theory podcast where we look at the strange, the psychological, the social, and the slimy aspects of all different types of movies. I'm here with my co-host, Alexander Bovey, and my name is Thomas Radke. Uh, this is episode five, I believe, uh, and we're calling this one a variety show. Uh, we're just going to go over a little bit of our own personal canon um talk about movies that are like really really foundational to us uh uh in a kind of round robin style just uh, give it like a brief blurb uh and talk about it and uh also a few uh, recent recommendations and and some other kind of lingering ideas that we have about film uh, especially here as cinemas like kind of open up and mm-hmm. kind of uh you can go see them again but also you should wear your mask and maybe get a booster shot and yeah, yeah, <laughs> all that other stuff. All that. So, um, I've already I've got my list here, but uh, I'm curious to hear yours. So, I kind of want to start with you, so we could just yeah, just go either back okay. and forth, or you can do like a few movies. Um, I know I have a few movies that like I think are best seen in like in chunks. Okay, yeah, that's good. Actually, that works out really well because I was you were mentioning um, talking about some of your favorite movies, and I was thinking that maybe I would do some of my favorite directors. And oh, yeah. I really like that kind of, uh, you know, that, that that kind of slightly different angle on it. I think that'll be cool because I think you lose, you gain and lose something on either side. At least I feel like, I, you know, I like doing directors, but I might, I might change it. In fact, I would change it a lot if I were going to just do my favorite movies. So, so maybe I'll do a director mm. and then you could do a few movies, you know, and talk about a couple of the movies and then you could do a few movies. Does that work? Sure. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay, cool. So I'm going to talk about a couple of my favorite directors. I'll give you a little uh, um, disclaimer first, which is that it's probably, they're probably not going to be very surprising, um, especially, <laughs> uh, especially for, for those of our listeners who are film buffs or just, you know, or even in um, uh, into the, you know, film studies or anything like that. But <clears throat> But I thought I'd still want to talk about those directors that I really feel like are not just the greatest directors, but my personal favorites and maybe just more like why are they my personal favorites? Although I do have later, I have got some maybe some more recent ones that might be a little bit more uh, unknown or surprising. So um, my first one is my favorite, but probably the least surprising, (laughs) which is Alfred Hmm. Hitchcock. Um, uh, You know, deep cut. Yeah, deep cut, deep cut. Uh, great, you know, just so you know, one of the things about favorite directors versus favorite films is you know just the idea that some directors have a whole body of work with their style and their um, artistic imprint on them all, right? And so yeah. Hitchcock is just a great example of that. Just movie after movie after movie, decades of of genius works of art. Um, and so, a couple things I'll say. One is that. <clears throat> In terms of you know favorite movies, also if I were going to do a list of just favorite movies, Vertigo would be on there for sure. Oh yeah, 
Um, I often tell my students when I teach vertigo, if aliens came to earth (laughs) and I had to explain this medium of cinema and they had never, you know, there's no idea of any of this world. And I had to say, you know, if I could show you one movie that I think encapsulates like the what can cinema do you know what what's it capable of i I really i think i would i would pick vertigo i mean it's just it's it's such a brilliant movie on so many different levels visually conceptually theoretically um but it's also a beautiful beautiful movie it's a it's a um visually beautiful movie it's a haunting kind of trance like hypnotic beauty so i love that movie it's one of my favorites uh you know you gotta love jimmy stewart and kim novak just that that chemistry that weird perverse chemistry between them is is so good um (laughs) yeah and then um uh, and then you know there's there's some great you could go through the list of all the great you know rear window is often listed and i and i love it i have nothing it's one of my favorites as well but it's a it's such a theoretical movie there's so many great theoretical takes but in terms of my love of Hitchcock also I would say uh, probably Notorious would be I think Notorious is the reason um, I really got so much into Hitchcock in the first place Um, and tying this back in with the theater thing I actually I I remember seeing uh, Notorious for the first time uh, at it was actually at a movie theater actually it was at the the um, Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, they had, they had, I don't know if they still have, they probably do a theater where they would sometimes show old movies and stuff and they showed Notorious. And, um, and I, of course I knew Hitchcock and I liked Hitchcock. I loved birds. It was very early in my uh, grad career. So I didn't think of him as like one of my favorite directors or anything, but I, I knew I liked him a lot and I knew I had read some yeah. stuff by Zizek and seeing that just blew me away. Um, just it's just you know I, I if you haven't seen Notorious, it's a super highly recommended movie. It's one of those movies that it's a brilliant movie and a beautiful movie, but it just grabs you by the gut and just just tears it out. Basically, it just oh, wow. it's such a yeah. Powerful... I haven't seen that, so I, I oh, yeah. I'm definitely I'm writing that down. Yeah, but um, I kind of make it no secret to people that like Vertigo is is kind of my Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Like that is uh, yeah. I think you could maybe point out like three movies uh i think in the 20th century uh that are that good and it's it's vertigo citizen kane and and to me metropolis like you have metropolis uh for the first half you have um citizen kane at the kind of lagrange point and then you have vertigo which i think is is yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah just one of the best uh movies ever made i would subscribe to that list yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's good yeah and then and 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 maybe one more thing about i was just thinking about those and i thought one of the interesting things to me is like that those those are two movies and i think this is what's great about hitchcock he's often billed as as a kind of like a thriller you know suspense and he is of course but also those are two movies about love in a bizarre crazy kind of way that that give me an aspect of love that I don't think you see enough in cinema, which is that yeah. love, you know, it's the antithesis of this idea of this kind of um, the, the other Hollywood um, image, the hallmark image of love as this beautiful thing. Love is not, I mean, mm. love is a traumatic deeply traumatic <laughs> thing for Hitchcock. And I think there's something deeply true about that, right? There's just something about that kind of dark uh, image dark side that love brings out that radical uncertainty and trauma that it, that it brings out. It's a disruption. It's a disruptive thing for, I think, um, uh, for Hitchcock and, and for psychoanalysis often sees it that way. So I think that yeah. was, that was, um, that's, that's my kind of take on why Hitchcock speaks to me so much. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah, know. I, um, so I'm actually going to, I'm going to retort with a director, even though you said I should do it with a movie Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because um, I think that uh, uh, the other big name of the 20th century to me, as far as like a movie movies that I take like really seriously is uh, William Friedkin. He has a run with the exorcist and then sorcerer, uh, which is a really underwatched film of his mm-hmm. from 1977, uh, and then To Live and Die in L.A., which is like the nastiest <laughs> uh, <laughs> little like 
<laughs> film maybe ever made about Los Angeles um, <laughs> and, and, and cops in general. I actually and haven't seen that one. I have to see that. That's great. It's so goddamn gross. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. And it's it just, yeah, it, it's, it's like really hauntingly beautiful and just like all the stuff you, you can kind of come to expect from Friedkin. Um, <laughs> and, and what a perfect terrifying trilogy those I think three films make (laughs) (laughs) they're they're absolutely canonical for me and like if movies were to be my religion like yeah I would that would those very well form a basis uh yeah sorcerer also is this like astonishing kind of anti-capitalist take on on uh just the kind of raw terror of of money it shows maybe to me like I think one of the most convincing portrayals of a main character going insane Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, over the course of it, uh, just through exposure to all these things. Uh, the basic plot outline of Sorcerer is an oil fire happens in uh, South America and they go to get the bombs to blow it up, but the, all the dynamite has been left sitting for years. And so all the nitroglycerin has settled at the bottom. So in a rush to uh, uh, blow up the oil fire <laughs> and stop it, <laughs> As soon as possible, the corporation decides to just hire suicidal truck drivers for an insane amount of money who have nothing to live for. (laughs) (laughs) And they have to drive across uh, an entire country with this nitroglycerin in the back of their trucks. And if they make one false move, they go up in a mushroom cloud. <laughs> That's such yeah. a great cinematic premise, really. <laughs> it's so fucking I, awesome. I, have to, I haven't seen enough freaking, you know, I, I love the exorcist traumatized the shit out of me when I was a kid, but, um, yeah. but, but it's great. Um, and I love the French connection and he was part of that. Oh, the French connection. Yeah. yeah. Was, he was kind of part of that group, right. With like, was it Francis Ford Coppola and and sort of like a small group of American directors who were expected yeah. to to um, transform film and and of course you know you, you you they did but Friedkin sort of remained in the background right until later he did he did kind of fade in and I haven't seen some of his later work and that's yeah. something I, I actually plan to do here um, very soon because he does have some movies uh, that people really like that he ended up making later. Uh, the same with Francis Ford Coppola, I was just kind of getting ahead of myself, but I think, yeah, Apocalypse Now and the Godfather movies, but also his 90s film, uh, if I can double dip on my on my recommendations here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, his uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. Is yeah. the best, uh, I think, Victorian adaptation uh-huh. uh, ever made yeah. uh and it has also I, I think the most astonishing uh in-camera effects that i've ever seen in a yeah. film mm. uh that's a lot yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's really yeah. astonishing like it, like dracula moving around in his castle and uh his mm-hmm. shadow moving around and the walls crawling yeah uh, and all these like amazing force perspective and double yeah. exposed shots uh-huh. um yeah, it's it's a it's a goddamn achievement, and and for uh, so many movies from the '90s look uh, awful because they had just started using this rudimentary CGI. So to see what the medium could do without any of that um, at its peak, it's almost like peering into an alternate universe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. He's got a great imagination too, and a great ability to transform that into the into the screen. So that's a great example of that. And I think you're right. Like you, there's something that see, even today, see to me, CGI often just leaves me feeling, you know, unsatisfied. It just kind of falls flat. And yeah, um, it's the in camera effects and the sets and the you know ways in which directors create things with some some something more material. Um, that really, for me, usually are much more successful and much more uh, visually impacting. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So who's so, your next director? So uh, <laughs> my next one is Fellini, actually, uh, Federico Fellini. Oh, yeah. and, and I probably have a little bit less to say about Fellini, but just that, um, you know, he's 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 just one of my favorite directors of all time. You know, his body of work again, like Hitchcock, it's, it's, I think those are probably 
the two, maybe the two that I would say uh, have just such a, a monumental body of work that allows you to, to, to get a sense of the artist as this really expansive thing. And they just seem to be, to me, they, they kind of reminds me of like what Dickens is in literature. Like there's just almost no end to what they can create, you know, and it's, um, it's something hmm. maybe, you know, external that, stops them from creating more they just seem like if 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 things were if they were allowed they would just never stop creating great things you know (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah Yeah. so anyway you know and fellini um you know obviously some of his most famous films uh from the 60s like la dolce vita and uh ato amezzo eight and a half two of my all-time favorites great movies um but also maybe just to just for me some of the stuff that made him, uh, gives him that kind of diversity, that kind of, um, range, I guess, as an artist, um, are some of his earlier and later works like, uh, Juliet of the Spirits, uh, a later mm. work with Juliet Messina, uh, and a, and a very early work with Juliet Messina, which, which, um, might be a little bit less known, especially to those who aren't super familiar with Fellini, um, Knights of Cabiria. Um, which is just a okay. wonderful, wonderful movie, a very early Fellini movie uh, with Giulietta Messina. She's just brilliant in it. The young Giulietta Messina, she's like, and this is, she's been called almost like a, um, uh, like an Italian um, chaplain uh, or something, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, her face and her comic timing. It's a, it's a, it's, it's got a lot of depth. There's a lot of sadness and tragedy in the movie, but there's also just this fantastic, um, just, you know, a lot of the movie is just, she's sort of like, she's a, she's a, a prostitute, um, who, um, sort of goes on these adventures throughout Rome and the, the camera just follows her around, um, uh, through ups and downs and, um, and Fellini just has this ability to capture her face and, 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 and as it reflects uh, emotions and comedy and, and, and just this spark of brilliance in life uh, that that's just unforgettable. It's one of the things that are, uh, I think I would even say unmatched in cinema, just his ability to, mm. to, to get this kind of spontaneous capture, this face acting this facial acting and and um this uniqueness of faces um with i'm going to come back to this with one of my more recent directors but um i do think it's really unique it's a beautiful wonderful movie uh and it's also cool to watch that and to watch um some of the later stuff with Giulietta messina um uh like uh juliet of the spirits so another beautiful yeah um but a late fellini movie so that that would be my um um my shout out to Fellini and maybe to a couple of films that if aren't people aren't familiar with to see. Yeah. I, I so desperately need to finish eight and a half. I, I, I started it actually this year on my birthday and the subtitle <laughs> file was corrupted. Oh no. Uh, so I wasn't actually able to keep going. Um, and actually instead ended up watching Sorcerer, uh, <laughs> That's funny. which That's is, uh, uh, <laughs> like a deeply stressful, <laughs> uh, much, much different in tone film. So it's a little bit of whiplash. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, Fellini, I, I've, I've read a lot about him actually, much more than I've actually watched. And it's yeah. about time I get into that. And that's another director who I, I, I yeah. really uh, ought to do just an omnibus of. Yeah. Because uh, kind of like Hitchcock, it seems that he just um, just never made something not worth watching. And, and in fact, Mm -hmm. I find with uh, Hitchcock too, uh, the kind of more you watch of his work, the more you end up getting out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember my dad showing me North by Northwest when I was little and saying it was like one of the best movies ever. And I didn't Mm -hmm. really get it. And then going back to visit North by Northwest after having seen so much other Hitchcock, I was like, this is insane. Like this is (laughs) uh, an absolutely bananas uh, uh, Hitchcock film. And also Mm -hmm. just, a bananas film in its own right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, also Fellini, like Hitchcock can be kind of intimidating, right? Because there's just so much to see, mm. you know, and sometimes it's overwhelming. And especially yeah. with Fellini, because both eight and a half and La Dolce Vita, which are two of his most famous films are 
fairly long and and if not rambling unstructured films you know they're kind of yeah. they, they're they're free free floating and uh freewheeling so it, they can be challenging actually in some ways they're beautiful they they i would highlight you know having a good setting to watch those movies if you could see them at the cinema that's the best but otherwise you know kind of mm-hmm. like sitting down with a good you know uh setting of a big screen in the dark with some popcorn or something <laughs> yeah Okay. Yeah, we'll do. I, I, yeah, so many people, so many like really famous, like very respected directors uh, and actors are like, I, I learned everything I know about cinema from eight and a half. Yeah, and yeah, that's something that you've got to. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I, I want to take seriously. You know. Yeah. 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 Um. So, okay, I'll, I'm going to shoot back with another director here, and then I think I'll start getting into kind of more um, individual picks after that. Uh, but um, I am head over heels for uh, John Carpenter's body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, holy mm-hmm. cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we've already talked about They Live, um, but I think that uh, The Thing is, is it maybe one of the best films ever made. Uh, I, uh, absolutely adore his apocalypse trilogy, which I believe begins with the thing, um, and then goes into, um, Prince of Darkness and then in the mouth of madness. Um, and, uh, Prince of Darkness also is a really underrated and I think underwatched film, Mm -hmm. uh, that takes, uh, a really religious, uh, idea. Um, it's a, it's about, I think just communing with Satan, um, (laughs) <laughs> but it's a bunch of grad students doing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, <that's> right. <laughs> and it has this like really wild, almost like biopunk aesthetic <laughs> where they're doing it uh, uh, in like a church, but they have all this like STEM equipment uh, and computers <laughs> and uh, uh, like sine wave uh, like mm-hmm. generator, little like tube TVs uh, <laughs> and a giant blue, like a uh, uh, like bright green um, cylinder, uh, from which I think is like the swirling, uh, uh, spirit of evil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, and it also has, I think one of the scariest uses of, of, uh, diegetic, uh, you know, in film, uh, uh, found footage, um, uh, along with annihilation, uh, Mm -hmm. with the tape that they find from Oscar Isaac's team, uh, which is this, it's this video of just like really short panning up on the church. And there's uh, a dark figure uh, wearing like a long cloak kind of standing in the, uh, a, an archway. Um, and uh, like there's, there's like a sound effect going on the whole time and I haven't seen it in a while. So I don't remember if it's, if it's something specific, but the video quality is really crunchy and weird and uh, you can't make out any specifics on the figure. And it's one of the scariest fucking things in the world <laughs> that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And really reminded me that, yeah, this is the guy who directed Halloween, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is just like, very quietly and neatly, like one of the scariest movies ever made as well. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 And one of the prototypes of basically every horror movie ever, right. That yeah. has come since it. I mean, he just invented so many techniques and, um, things that they include shots angles, you know, that they include in, in horror movies just as, uh, the basic language of that form. Yeah yeah absolutely yeah i have to see i definitely have to see if inspired me to this too to see more of the lesser known carpenter movies maybe maybe we can expand that um they live episode to the trilogy that would be kind of a cool one at some point in the future i don't have too much to say about in the mouth of madness besides that it's just like a lot of fun though Uh yeah and it's one of the few like kind of big budget uh uh, lovecraft movies Uh um that explores that in an interesting way, but it's as much a Lovecraft film as it is like a movie about Stephen King, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is kind of funny. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like as, as, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really fun. It's really effective and it has some like great practical effects and some like, uh, uh, scares that, that still do affect me to this day, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's not quite, I think on the same level 
as a Prince of Darkness in the thing. Yeah. 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 It would be cool to do a trilogy though. Cause you could do a, You could include all three and sort of, you know, mm. you know, wouldn't have to yeah. cover all equally, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. So uh, my next director would be uh, Michael Haneke. Uh That might be yeah. somebody who might be a little bit less known, at least as a generally as a director for some listeners. Um, certainly some listeners will know him pretty well. Um, but uh, definitely one of my favorite modern directors. Uh, one of my favorite directors living and producing, um, directing movies today. Uh, I, in fact, I would say I think he would be one of the best living directors you know, the active directors today, I would definitely put them in my top three. Um, just an amazing director. Uh, I first saw uh, the first, I believe the first Hanukkah movie I saw was Funny Games, um, the original. German and what an opener. Version. Yeah, it, it just blew me away. I mean, I just it, it couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that. And not only that, from the, I think we talked a little bit about this. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this one with us because uh, I, I think that was one of the the, the references in the movie yeah. a lot to, to funny games, but, um, but not only that, it, it blew me away in the first like five seconds. I just, it, you could just feel <laughs> that there is something in this director and the movie that um, it just, it just, if, I mean, purposely putting you on edge right away. Um, but, um, it, but it's interesting because it's, a, it's, I mean, I don't even know what to, to call it exactly. It's kind of a thriller. Uh, you know, there's this thing where these, these uh, very fascist youth looking, super healthy, sporty German, young German guys in their early twenties or something go around terrorizing these bourgeois families in their vacation homes. Um, yeah. Quite terribly. I mean, there's terrorizing is probably not even putting it strong enough, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, there was just, you know, there's a sense of like just cleverness and brilliance to what he was doing with the film as a form. You just could feel him as a director speaking to you through the form uh, and making all these fan fascinating insights and points, you know, formally through the form itself, especially in that movie, maybe even over the top in that movie, you know, because there's like, I don't want to give any spoilers for the movie, but there's like some famous scenes where, for instance, there's one point uh, in which, well, there, let's say, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's, there's several points in which the characters step out of character or kind of like address the audience and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, really great movie. Um, and then I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's got one dud in his whole batch. He, he's he's hmm. been making movies um, for a long time. Funny Games was not his first movie at all. He, he'd been doing uh, several pretty amazing movies up before that. That came out in 97. But I think Funny Games was the one where it breakthrough to a more international audience, certainly to the United States. Um, and a couple of things since then. Uh, one is Code Unknown. I would highly recommend that. You have to yeah. be uh, ready to really – embrace experimental film it's a very mm -hmm. postmodern film it's uh fragmented and it plays with these fragmented storylines that don't quite fit together purposefully but they also overlap and cross over and stuff um really beautiful movie uh it's both playful uh clearly experimenting in in really interesting theoretical ways but I find really moving ways you know but also just beautiful in so many ways um uh, uh, Juliet Binoche, he just constantly gets these absolutely stellar performances out of Juliet Binoche. I think some of the, some of her, mm. if not her greatest performances, I would say her greatest performances in her life are in Hanukkah movies. That, that would be my, mm. my two cents. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so quote unknown. Uh, and then my, I think my all time favorite, um, uh, by Hanukkah would be Cachet. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Cachet is really, astonishing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's just a the great detective, detective-y kind of. It's kind of a neo. I mean, I want to say it's got noir elements to it, but it's more of a postmodern thing. Um, mm -hmm. And um, um, again, Juliette Binoche uh, and uh, um, Danielle Autry, uh great actors, great performances. Just really, uh, just an amazing movie. Uh, I would think maybe my favorite of his. Um, 
uh, White Ribbon was, I think, his most well acclaimed and a, and a fantastic movie. And then um, his most recent movie, maybe I'll give a shout out to as well, uh, is is called Happy End. I believe it came out in 2017 or 2018. I think it was 2018 yeah. in the U.S. Um, and uh, it didn't get it didn't get the the acclaim that the others got. A lot of people kind of uh, damned it with faint praise or. Yeah, kind of criticize it or something, but I I thought it was great. I really liked it a lot. I think you have to be, it's not an entry one. You know, you have to get to know Haneke, get to know his style and then do it. He's got a very interesting sense of timing. He loves to cut a little bit too soon and, and let the cuts last too long. And, um, that can be alienating for some viewers at first. Uh, but when you sort of get into that rhythm, it just does something to your, to your, literally to your, brain to your kind of like cognitive engagement with the film while you're watching it and kind of gets you to think about the film and shift your perspective as you're watching it. So I think it's great. And, uh, definitely Hanukkah is one of my, one of my all time favorites. Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, cache is, is insane. Coding canoe is, uh, I, I describe it always as, um, like if, if crash was actually good. Um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I like that. I like that comparison. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it actually like, uh, addresses, yeah. The kind of ways that like racial tension and all of that can mm-hmm. affect the lives of people in, in strange ways, uh, in, and not in Hollywoodized mm-hmm. ways. And, but also the way, yeah, that like all aspects of, of life like creep into the others. And yeah, it's, it's an insanely good film. Yeah. Uh, and another one of those ones that like deserves your like utmost attention, but also, uh, does nearly nothing to ask for it mm-hmm. in the film. Uh, uh, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's a wonderful and really refreshing. I find if you're find yourself getting kind of, um, a little, uh, stuck or a little bored of the way that films usually work uh, visiting a film like uh, Code Unknown or Code Inconnue as it's known in French uh, mm-hmm. is just a beautiful palate cleanser that can make you look at just like everyday interactions in a different way mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it really does. That's true. Yeah, because it's so much about these just unexpected little interactions which are so laden with other things, other ideas and yeah. tensions and conflicts and contradictions, yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i'll go with my <laughs> i'll go with my last uh director mm-hmm. um and this is a big pick it seems like maybe too obvious of a pick mm-hmm. uh but i'm gonna choose like a less obvious film uh which is um paul thomas anderson's uh mm-hmm. inherent vice mm-hmm. uh uh it's my favorite film of all time and my god like what a crazy movie uh, and, and just a, yeah. uh, beautiful, like analysis of the kind of end of the 1960s and this completely agnostic kind of take mm-hmm. on like human life itself in a way that I've only ever really seen in like a serious man, another movie that like demands multiple rewatches mm-hmm. in order to kind of really take it all in. Yeah. Uh, but where, where the point of the film is kind of how uh, disjointed and and how little sense it all makes and and how there is no resolution except for kind of the one we have to form in our minds. Uh, if, if even that, there might just be no resolution at all. And, mm-hmm. and uh, your life is you riding in the backseat of a car forever, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, but his his recent uh, films as well, the kind of trilogy made up of those, which is The Master, Phantom Thread, and Inherent Vice, as mm-hmm. well as his like slightly earlier film, uh, There Will Be Blood. I mean, you could watch any Paul Thomas Anderson film, and he doesn't have that many mm-hmm. uh, films out there, and every single one of them is worth watching. Like, Boogie Nights is uh, a total damnation of, of that era <laughs> and that industry. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, his film with Adam Sandler is like one of the few good Adam Sandler films mm-hmm. uh, and also just a really empathetic take on like life itself. And yeah, just, and they're all so much fun to watch and they never lose like energy in ways that I think people feel that these prestige movies uh, do or ought to. Um which I find that even like Citizen Kane actually doesn't lose 
right. energy. Like it's a really funny, engaging yeah, film. I agree. Uh, it's surreal in a weird kind of dreamlike way. And it just doesn't lose yeah. that. Yeah. But I, that, that, I find this one really fascinating because I wouldn't completely agree with you with Paul, uh, Paul Emerson only because, and, and I agree that you're right, that his, every movie that he makes is a, is a powerful movie. I mean, he's obviously uh, a, a brilliant filmmaker. I have kind of a love hate relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson, I, there, there are films I I love and films I hate, basically, or didn't like. I, I'll say, but I right. I thought it was really interesting what you said about Inherent Vice and Serious Man. Uh, that's a really good. That's an interesting I, um, pairing, and it made me as soon as you said that, it made me think. You know, there's kind of revival of like um, of like. Um, um, double bills and and there's there's um, yeah. double kind of like double feature and there's there's several podcasts that actually do structure their podcasts that way they'll they'll say what if we did it or if we do a double feature with these two films and and sometimes anyway I think I think that um that that that's a, an interesting case because I think if I watch those two together it would probably make me think about inherent vice in a different way um, yeah you know what I mean because you can pairing can do that. Um, but I I loved uh, There Will Be Blood. I, I thought that was just one of the great movies. Like that that's a good example of my talking about um, the difference between having to pick a, a great film and a great director. Because I wouldn't pick Paul Thomas right. Emerson, but I would have picked There Will Be Blood. And I did like Phantom Thread a lot uh, as well. Um, yeah. Have you only ever? So you're not that uh, as huge. What what are your what are your kind of like lower point movies for him? Because my kind of secret opinion is that, like, I think that every movie he's ever made is as good or better than There Will Be Blood. Uh, <laughs> That's so. funny. That's good. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny because I've, I've also I've heard people say that as well. I've heard a few or that or that There Will Be Blood's not really his best movie. Um, and, and it's it's amazing. Like, it's it's I yeah, know, it's I, astonishing. And but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Todd McGowan, who's written on him a lot, likes his really earlier stuff better. What was his first movie? Now I can't even remember. But uh, um, Magnolia, no, Magnolia wasn't his first. May have been Magnolia though, because I haven't seen that one either. But but you know what was the one he did about um, uh, Scientology? The Master. The Master. You know, I wasn't crazy about that. I kind of I liked it when I was watching it, but then I just kind of I, I felt like it it just didn't it didn't cohere as a whole film for me and it didn't, it, it didn't, some of these I, I would, I would definitely would, would love to re-see. Like, I think I need to re-see Inherent Vice for sure. I mean, I think I, that's one that I could revisit. That's one of those ones where sometimes your expectations ruin the actual experience of the film. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, the first time I saw it, kind of like the first time I saw a serious man, it just, it didn't really click for me as much. Mm. Um, and, but the second time I watched it, it was like it kind of reordered my whole brain. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a way where yeah. I was like, oh, this is like a serious man is like a profound statement on on like uh, Judaism and and like the American middle class. And uh, once you kind of find out like what the movie's about, like where it's where it's pointed and where it's headed. Uh, yeah, it becomes um Mm-hmm. just a, a fantastic experience. And just like, I think the master is actually in a similar realm too, where it's uh, the, the things to be wrought from it aren't uh, kind of what your expectations would lead you to believe. I think it's much more about like mm-hmm. uh, masculinity and um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, and a character study more than anything else. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. But I think that's interesting what you're saying. Like there, there are movies like Serious Man. I, I Serious Man is just one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just such a brilliant movie. Um, and again, and I mean the Coen Brothers. I, I would, I would, if I had more time, I would put them on my list. They are just brilliant. Uh, I feel <laughs> yeah. like they're almost without flaw too. I mean, I can't think of a movie that I didn't like by them. Maybe there's some that aren't as good as others, but I can't think of one I didn't like. And I would definitely put a Serious Man on the top of the list up there with the, their best, if not maybe for me, maybe their best. I, I think it's just a, a movie that you could watch over and over again. Yeah. Almost a perfect movie. Um, and then, oh, and I was going to say too, when you were saying about seeing that, not liking it so much the first time, you know, it's funny that I would say again, highlighting my difference between uh, my favorite directors, my favorite film Um, that happened to me with um, Jackie Brown. 
Um, oh yeah. When I first saw Jackie Brown, I wasn't quite sure. I didn't that I didn't like it, but I just I, I was expecting something so different from Tarantino. I wasn't sure what to mm-hmm. make of it. Uh, and now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah. uh, I would definitely not put Tarantino among my favorite directors ever. I think he's yeah. he's great. Whatever you like or dislike about him, he's he's got some great stuff. I wouldn't put him, but I would put if I were gonna. I would even say if I were gonna make a list of my top ten movies ever, I think I think Jackie Brown would probably be on it. I just, it's, yeah. it's almost, easily the best film he's ever made. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And just, it's so great. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? You just love it. I just love it. Like I just, I can watch it and I just, it's, it, it's just clicks. Everything is so good in that movie. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Yeah. So let's go with another pick from you and then we're going to have to start kind of doing a lightning round, I think, because we're yes. running out of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will do, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so I, in fact, I will, I will say the one that I'll kind of, I'll kind of lightning glide by is, uh, <laughs> is Lynch because it's kind of too obvious, but I love Lynch and I right. will, I'll just, one thing I'll say about Lynch is um, in the empire, it, it kind of got lost. And I've in fact heard people who are Lynch fans and even people who have uh, written on Lynch and stuff kind of dismiss it. And I think, it's his last full length picture, I think, to date, and uh, Inland Empire, and it's it's uh, I think it's amazing. It's a really it's his weirdest, and in some ways his most rambling, but I think it's one of his great movies, uh, and it's just something I love. So I'll just mention that. But then, yeah. uh, the, I think the last director I wanted to um, to mention on my part is uh, somebody who I think probably is less known to a lot of viewers, at least like as a director. You may have seen some of his movies, uh, but it comes back to what I was talking about with Fellini, which is my I, I, my love of Italian cinema. I love. Uh, I have. A, um, uh, I'm a big fan of Italian cinema, back to neorealism and through the '60s, the great '60s directors like Fellini and, of course, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni, uh, who, if you haven't seen, you know, just one of the great directors of all time. Uh, and somebody. And so there's there's a couple of directors now who are doing great stuff uh, in Italian cinema, and in particular to me. Um, Matteo Garone is the one I would single out as one of my favorite mm. directors. Very, I think he's a really fascinating, very interesting director. Um, his his first movie, um, not his first movie, but his first uh, international success was Gamora, which came out in two thousand and eight, and it's to oh, this yeah. day it's one of his best known movies. Um, it was really a darling of the film circuits and cons and stuff when it came out in two thousand eight, and um, it's a it's a great movie, um, but uh, it's not his best to me. But it's a great movie, and and some some movies that I would give a shout out to. His next movie is called Reality. Uh, very uh, really went under the wire. I think not a lot of people know that movie. I know you know it, right? I do. Yeah, you showed it you in, uh, it, in yeah. one of your classes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. It's a fascinating movie. Um, I'll come back in a second to why I think it's so interesting. But it's a it's a really weird, quirky movie but it's a character study in a way and it's a really great movie um also tale of tales he did right after that it's a it's a great movie um yeah this as it sounds it's kind of a anthology of italian fairy tales from the 17th century um beautifully done talk about great effects uh there's some really wonderful effects in that uh, yeah i remember that one getting traction in the united states because uh game of thrones was popular at the time and there's some so, uh, amazing fantasy images from that one but mm-hmm. then it alienated people pretty quick because uh it's in an italian like neo neo realist yeah. style <laughs> um and yeah. uh, uh or yeah. neo surrealist kind of yeah like there's a woman eating like a dragon's heart and uh some other really, yeah. really fantastic imagery. Yeah. 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 There's some gory stuff in there and there's some crazy things. And it does have a very surreal, it's funny you say neorealism too, because he does, that's one of the things I think is so fascinating. He goes back and forth between this kind of neorealistic uh, character studies with this gritty, like Gamora. It's just this really gritty, it's kind of a gangster, yeah. kind of like a mafia movie, but without any of the, uh, uh, glamorization of the mafia at all. It was a gritty, you know, lower class, um, you know, just really um, looking at the, 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 the reality of the situation and the class issues and stuff. Um, so he goes back and forth between that and these weirdly fantastic 
surreal movies um, like Tale of Tales. And in fact, um, the last movie he did is Pinocchio, which I um, which I actually mm. one movie I haven't seen yet because of the whole pandemic thing. I never got a chance to see it, um, but I do. I, I, I will certainly see that soon. I wouldn't normally go see Pinocchio, but. I have to see it by Garone. I'm sure it's going to be something really interesting. Um, (laughs) And then his, and then I'll say just uh, his all time to me, my favorite movie he did was done just before Pinocchio. Uh, It's a movie called Dogman. It came out in uh, 2018. Uh, I would like to do an episode on it sometime. Um, I think it's a brilliant movie. um, Very much under the wire for American audiences. Um, The the actor, uh, Marcelo Fonte got, best um uh got got the the best acting prize at cons so it did it did mm. get attention in europe uh and i'll just say real quick uh one of, he's such a fa- brilliant director i think fascinating director uh and a fascinating person and we mm. we well, hopefully we'll get to do an episode on that at some point but something a little teaser that i think is really interesting one of the things we were, I was talking about Fellini and faces. And I think Garoni is the other director who manages to do that, to really engage, especially a particular actor and interesting faces in interesting ways. Um, but also, so in reality, the main actor, uh, his name was Agnello Arena, uh, was actually a prisoner who was in prison for, yeah. for life for a kind of a brutal murder. <laughs> uh, and he he got into this stage acting program in prison. And then he was um, discovered by Garone and Garone yeah. put him in this film reality. And then what's interesting is that, I mean, that's interesting in itself, but then um, – Later, um, I guess Garoni got to interested in these prisoner acting programs and would go to them. And at once, one point when he went to a kind of uh, show and a kind of festival, um, there was a replacement because one of the one of the prisoners who was acting died like right beforehand or something. And the only wow. replacement they could get was a guard, a prison guard. And that prison guard was Marcello Fonte, who played the main character in Dogman, who won the best acting award at Con. Wow. <laughs> Astonishing. Isn't that amazing? And he's such yeah. a great I mean it, you you can't it's it, he's such a great actor. He's such a great he has such a great face and he just works so well with the movie. So, um, yeah, awesome. Yeah. That, that, that would be my, rec- my last, I think more modern and maybe more, uh, less, maybe lesser known director. Matteo yeah. Bruni. No, he's fantastic. Yeah. What, yeah. A, what an awesome, uh, uh, yeah. Director to dive into. Yeah. All right. So I think now as, as we begin the lightning round, just like the okay. kind of honorable mentions, uh-huh. um, I'll, I'll just spitball a few of my kind of disconnected favorite films. Um, yeah. Out there. Uh, I think my uh, one from a director who didn't do an awful lot is uh, The Wicker Man from the 1970s. And just as like, if you see a film yeah. uh, came out in the 1970s, mm-hmm. it's probably good and you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's, yeah. it's the greatest era of filmmaking, yeah. I think, to this day. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And uh, The Wicker Man is is insane. Like it's uh, so fantastic and so rife of of this weird paranoia but also this like weird puritanism. Uh, it's a, yeah, as much yeah. a commentary on, on like the roots of Western civilization as it is on civilization, like as it yeah. is right now. Um, a few others just like to bang off some 1970s movies, uh, especially like post Watergate thrillers are my absolute favorite. Like you've got your kind of classic of, um, uh, all the president's men, mm-hmm. but uh, that's actually part of a, of a thematic trilogy from that director. Um, and with it is uh, a movie called the parallax view and clute K L U T E both of which are incredible. Uh, I think uh, the parallax view is kind of mm-hmm. in and out of my top five. I love yeah. that movie. It has yeah. also it one of the best enough. opening scenes. Yeah. What? Yeah. It doesn't get seen enough either. People forget. It doesn't. No, it really doesn't. And it's, it's Warren Beatty as like this weirdly charismatic, uh, journalist, uh, who's also getting like constantly dodging death. <laughs> um, and it has like the best opening scene and, and the best climax of any movie from the 1970s. I've mm-hmm. ever seen, mm-hmm. excepting maybe Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know? <laughs> uh, which is another one of my favorites. Yeah, but yeah, all the paranoid thrillers uh, like Boys from Brazil, uh, The Day of the Jackal, 
uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is untouchable, uh, a way scarier movie uh, uh-huh. than it sounds. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers with uh, Donald Sutherland, right? And, yes. and, and he is so creepy in that movie. He's just yeah, I, uh, <laughs> greatest of all time. Yeah, he's he, he's so perfect. I mean, he just like he, he just he managed just just to haunt you. I think <laughs> after that movie, yeah. No, you're. Yeah. Right. I think you're right about the '70s. Like, there's something about '70s movies that um, just there's this like almost bottomless capability for the imagination and i i I want i think that's a good like place to take this is that there's there's some i think it's because in the 70s you didn't you know first of all it it wasn't as um corporatized organized and and exploited and capitalized right so you just had this open the door to do crap if you if you if you did you know you, you had the opportunity to totally fail um, <laughs> but that also opened the door to just do weird things you know strange things yeah. that you wouldn't do i mean we were, you're talking about carpenter one of my favorites of his is dark star you know um <laughs> what a fucking crazy uh, movie that's such a great <laughs> movie remember the, the the alien is basically like a beach ball with feet <laughs> yeah it's like a great yeah that great little comic scene that was eventually transformed into the entire plot of alien yeah and that's you know but that's like there's something about that cheap b movie ability to delve into the almost the unconscious i think like that's very dreamlike that whole scene with the elevator shaft and stuff where he's like trying to not fall into it and and the aliens can just kind of bop around and he's desperately <laughs> trying not to get sucked into the abyss there's something so dreamlike yeah, yeah. about that and and i think that's that to me that's one of the great things about 70s films you know and you can there's so, like a it, you know sci-fi and space were the big part and there's something about that ability to like go off into the margins the darkness where things are enigmatic ambivalent unsure and the imagination can really flourish there i feel like like that almost is the seventies. The seventies is this strange, dark, <laughs> semi-conscious yeah. decade, right? Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to a lot that like my two favorite films uh, out of that year uh, are, or maybe my three. I've got it's it's probably Sorcerer, The Conversation, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. Very and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's yeah. one of them is uh, like this place where it's like, it's transportive, like close encounters is, is like a sublime experience, especially Uh as you get to that ending, like maybe the best climax of any film ever made. Yeah. Um, and then the conversation is like the, uh, supreme opposite of that, just like grimy and so analog that like a whole part of the movie is just Mm -hmm. like really, it's, it's like a close up on all the equipment as this guy records, and yeah. re-records and, and listens and and mm-hmm. then brightens and touches up and uh, yeah uh, uh, something that's so grounding um, it just I think shows the kind of two sides of that where there were people who were here in that front in um, <laughs> in like to be on the ground to be conscious of it was was uh, uh, terror and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other thing that people wanted to do was just like literally get in a spaceship and fly away, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, so so good. Yeah, and I think the conversation is um, is I think that's a great example of a, one of the great movies of the seventies, and I think one of the great movies of all time. I mean, I think that's a almost a perfect movie. It's just a really uh, incredible, um, incredible um, example of what. Francis Ford Coppola could do. Jane Hackman's fantastic in it, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and it's just, uh, yeah, this attention to detail and um, contemplative kind of like, it, it's a slow, it's one of the first, well, I mean, it's, it, yeah, I think it's one of the first real slow burn movies, right? The yeah. whole pace of that movie is just um, another example of just being daring, you know, to do that I think is mm-hmm. – you know, you're really taking a risk and it's, it's, yeah, really but great man, does it, it just grip you though. Like if you let it in, yeah. it like, it takes you by yeah. the, Oh yeah. Like by the head. Yeah. You can't stop yeah. watching it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just do one more director um, since we're we're doing uh, uh, random ones, which would be Jan- Jens Fankmeyer. Um, totally different yes. kind of, but it, it calls to mind that idea of the seventies crazy imagination beyond the seventies, you know? Um, and he's a pretty, well, he, you know, he does this stuff. If you don't know him, probably a lot of you do, but, uh, he does a lot of stuff with stop motion, um, uh, claymation, stuff like that. He's a great claymation, uh, artist. Uh, two of his best, he's just got great movies. Two of his best movies are Faust uh, and Alice, which is, of course, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and mm-hmm. also just an ability to do amazing things um, with l- very little budget and material uh, with the imagination. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Little Odic also blows my mind. That is one of the most. Yes. Uh, yeah. That is like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> creepy. Little tactile, little <laughs> creepy movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings out his very Kafka esque, you know, his, his, he, he, he's a, he's a director who's an artist who's Prague, the city he, 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 he's from and in which he films most of his stuff. And Prague is so much a part of his art. And, uh, mm. and, and, you know, coming from Kafka being the great artist from, Prague, you can really see that correlation between yeah. them. Yeah. But just kind of like the honorable mentions to my uh, canon really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, a lot of Guillermo del Toro's films are really wonderful, especially his earlier work in the 90s, his, his Spanish-speaking work. Um, uh, Crimson Peak, though, is a standout recently. Yeah. I really love this new film uh, by... Uh, uh, David Cronenberg's son. Oh, right. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's a movie called Possessor, uh, and it's uh-huh. not for the faint of heart. It's it's maybe the goriest, bloodiest movie uh, and <laughs> most like creatively uh, horrific uh, that I've seen in a long time. <laughs> but if you're into that, uh, uh, if you if you like saw Green Room and you liked it, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend Possessor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's as kind of grimy and nasty, and it has a lot to say about um, kind of what's going on uh, like right now in the world, but it's huh. also, yeah. Uh, it, it has like a lot to say about like Amazon and it also has mm. like a guy That's getting true. his face beat in with, uh, a crowbar, you know, I've heard really good things about it. I haven't seen that yet, but I, I have to see that. I guess two yeah. other, uh, picks, uh, recently, uh, the movie deep cover with Lawrence Fishburne, uh, got a criterion release mm-hmm. and that movie absolutely rocks. Uh, it's a great movie about like cops and corrupt cops and kind of the, um, and it's, it's an incredible performance and one of the rare films ever directed by the great Bill Duke, uh, <laughs> who's also a, a character actor. Very cool. Have you seen, um, pig yet? <laughs> I have not. No, I, that's, that's the one of the ones that I need to see. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's a really beautiful movie. Um, it's a, it's a debut by Michael Sarmosky. So it's his, it's his first, uh, film. Um, mm. but, um, you know, of course, Nicholas Cage is the star of it. So it's very interesting. And, uh, um, Nicholas Cage is phenomenal in it. And it's just, it's a really cool right. movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's got a really great intimate feel to it. It's just a fun movie to watch. Um, I want to see it again. You know, there's certain movies where you see them and oh, cool. just seeing it in the theater just kind of is so exciting that you, you want to, or at least for me, do it again in the theater. So I'd actually like to re-see it in the theater if I can. Um, but yeah. 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 I, I recommend that one. Great. No. Yeah. Yeah. Big. What are the, I've got two, two that, that uh, probably a lot of people are anticipating, but the, the two big anticipation ones I'm anticipating for me are, um, Dune, of course, Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah, and Denis Villeneuve is a is a director we talk about a lot. Yes, but, uh, yeah, we should yeah, put his, him, his work put is him wonderful. on the list too. Even though he's maybe totally. you know still earlier in his career than the others, uh, just just such a great director, really. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. You, you, I get the sense that he's kind of at the height of his career right now, right? He's really at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and of course, Jordan Peele's got another movie coming out called nope yeah yeah <laughs> apparently I'm, I'm stoked about that too yeah i can't wait yeah. very cool yeah that's you know it's a great that those are both to me those are both great examples of you know what great what's great about great directors is like you can get hype from a movie but there's some energy about like oh my god a new jordan peele movie's coming out i've got to see yeah. it it's just such a buzz <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh well i guess i'll hit you with uh yeah one last uh recommendation here neil blomkamp the director of chappie elysium and uh, district nine uh really underrated yeah socially conscious sci-fi 
yeah. uh, that I think deserves like a reappraisal. And also like some of the most empathetic films I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. In yeah, a way yeah. that like alienated some people when uh-huh. like they had a uh, this like really grungy, you know, definitely problematic like rap duo uh, <laughs> as the main characters of Chappie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're also like extremely South African and the way that movie functions is like an anthropological document of South Africa is, is fantastic. <laughs> so. Well, we'll do a part two. That's all. Yeah. Carry on. We want to, we were variety show part two. Variety show part two or yeah, or, or, a, or a short segment or something. I wanted to talk yeah. about uh, theaters a little bit, just the importance of theaters now as we're right. having to appreciate them because they're, um, so as I said, so precariously with us these days, we don't know yeah. how, how long they'll be open and, and many of them have closed down. So let's do, let's do a continuation of that a little bit, I think maybe into one of the next episodes. Yeah. Hey man, until next time, okay. uh, it's always a delight talking. Great to talk uh, to you, Thomas. And I'm going to get on Fellini, I promise. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for me, Friedkin. Yes, do it. <laughs> right. Oh my God, you will not be disappointed. I'm inspired. <laughs>